it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. You're tuned in to the Investing for Beginners podcast. Finally, step-by-step premium investment guidance for beginners. Led by... Andrew Sather, and Dave Ahern, to decode industry jargon, silence crippling confusion, and help you overcome emotions by looking at the numbers. Your path to financial freedom starts now. All right, folks, well, welcome to Investing for Beginners podcast. Andrew and I are going to do a little blast from the past today. We're going to talk to one of our second guests, actually, uh, when we started the podcast. We're going to have Braden from Stratosphere Investing talk to us tonight. This is going to be a lot of fun. Braden is going to catch us up on what he's been up to and see all the crazy things that he's doing. So without any further ado, Andrew and Braden, why don't you guys uh, start us off? Yeah, Brian, welcome to the show. I think it'll be very interesting for everybody because last time we talked to you, you were still a beginner, kind of had a lot of different questions and seemed like you were forming an approach and a lot of intelligent questions. So you could tell the ba- a lot of the basics were digested and it was just about really finding exactly where you were comfortable and then actually getting that experience in the market. So I guess take us through how you got started and how you're able to kind of evolve your approach to now. Uh, we talked before the show about how you've been having some fantastic returns with your stocks lately. So kind of walk us through that. Yeah, that's right. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. I'm Braden Dennis, and uh, wow, what a, what a journey it's been, I guess, since even before even before this show to now and, and kind of, I guess, midpoint where I came on the show for the second episode I had already, you know, kind of digested, like you said, the, the, the basics, you know, my questions weren't coming just, you know, where do I start? It's, I have this now form strategy and how do I, how do I continue to grow it? And some, some other questions that maybe others had had as well. And then fast forward to now I've started my own blog and podcast, shameless plug here at stratosphereinvesting.com. And now it's, you know, I, I guess bringing me back two years ago, and I had, you know, the foundations of investing. I've always thought what makes me a good investor is I have very good temperament. I'm able to block out some of the noise and, and kind of the other manias that type tend to happen in, in, uh, in financial markets. And really to gain that temperament and have that outlook. When I started investing, I mean, we started in the middle of a bull market and now it's, it's continuing to roar on. If you don't learn from from 
history and you don't study the greats and see, you know, the kind of changes that happen in the markets over a long period of time, if you don't study that, how are you supposed to know how to protect, you know, minimize down, downside risk, protect from vicious drawdowns if you don't understand what's happened in, in the past? So I've really kind of, you know, operated with a margin, a margin of safety, picked fantastic businesses, known my businesses incredibly well. I'm a Canadian, so, you know, here I, I, I got to look at it a little differently. My benchmark is the TSX, and uh, it's not the S&P 500. I mean, some some could argue that the S&P could be, you know, my benchmark is now I could just pick up an index fund. But um, not only is that incredibly boring, <laughs> I'm sorry, um, is... You know, at the end of the day, those ETFs are actually carrying a s- extreme amount of risk in my eyes. They're market capitalizing, market capitalization weighted, and what that really hap- what that really does is a large portion of that fund is now dumped in what we we'll call the Fang stocks. And if you don't know what the Fang stocks are, it's Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, and Google. And, you know, depending on who you talk to, you might throw some other A's and N's in that mix. But really, at the end of the day, they've gone to rational highs. And you're carrying that wit- that that risk of, of potential massive drawdowns if you're owning that fund. Well, just look at FANG, right? You have three out of the four are tech, Facebook, Netflix, Google. Amazon, we've talked about Amazon a lot of times. I mean, even though it's growing and the revenue's just continue to grow and they even had a earnings report that came out today where it showed explosive revenue growth to continue but they're still not turning a profit so you can still very easily argue that it's a very overvalued stock you look at a company like netflix and amazon they were actually so the s&p in january grew by four almost five percent i mean from a one month standpoint that's huge and a big part of it is because of the market weighted that you're talking about. Netflix gained 40% in January. Amazon gained 24% in January. So you have two of these big players with $100, million, $100 billion plus market capitalizations that are driving that index up. And so the higher that goes, like you said, the more the ETF becomes risky because it's now becoming more expensive and you're getting a bigger and bigger proportion of the ETF in these overbloated stocks. And like you said, all you have to do is go back into history and you can see, you know, it's not because we're trying to be boring or trying to be negative Nancy's all the time. The facts are overvalued stocks will underperform after a rough bull mark, uh, bear market. And that's whether we're talking about a recession that happened 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago, these reoccurring themes always happen. And so I think as investors, just getting yourself away from like a fang type stock. And if you can do so while still picking up great businesses, that's going to put you head and shoulders above a lot of the different investors that are out there who are kind of just, you know, meddling around and, and just kind of trying out the whole investing thing. It's not something that you should try out. This is your hard-earned money. You should really be taking it seriously. And, you know, I commend the amount of research and, and the the mindset you have towards this because it's obvious that you take it serious and avoiding the FANG stocks and finding stocks that 
are not going to be overvalued like like the fang stocks is is really a key part of that yeah that's right and and like i said i'm 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 a young young investor only 22 years old and i operate in an environment where a lot of my friends you know they haven't really done the research right they're, they but they but they want to get involved so what ends up happening is they after 10 years of you know extreme bull market and everyone's made such amazing money extremely extremely speculative type investments start to become the forefront of what everyone's talking about and it really comes down to the low savings rate and the extreme student debt you know so basically what happens is this really low savings rate super high debt what do people turn to so they turn to extremely extremely speculative investments because making between 12 to 14 percent a year in the stock market over a long period of time doesn't sound like they can that can you know meet their financial goals quick enough so they they go out to extremely speculative investments like cryptocurrency here in the in canada it's it's all about weed stocks now so marijuana companies that are basically IPOing in the mania like left right and center with insane insane trade volume moving up and down 10% a, a day sorry and it's it's insane so if you're not it's kind of like uh, Canada's fang where if you're not in these marijuana stocks then you're not beating the market so and a little interesting uh, statistic here for 2017 in the Canadian market was our best performing sector was energy as large oil exporter we are um you know it was a huge rebound price of oil is going back up and you know the sector is looking good again so it's come a long way it was by far earnings wise our best performing sector however on the stock market it was the worst performing sector now let's move forward to what was the worst performing sector sector via earnings and that was healthcare because of marijuana stocks. These are companies that are all not turning profits. Not a single one of them have a positive earnings per share. What was the best performing sector in the Canadian market in 2017? It was healthcare. <laughs> so you have a completely backwards and insane, hard to understand what's going on and why that is the case. And it's because enough retail investors are tipping the scales to completely skew into into things that you know don't really make sense and they and they won't make sense until we see a massive correction and then people will know what what I what we're currently talking about today when we're recording this. Yeah, I've heard so many anecdotal stories about the marijuana stocks and and the cryptocurrency. The rationalizations that you see people talk about when they see massive losses I, to this day, you know, I haven't had a stock ever lose me more than 25%, but you'll see people lose 50% within a period of several days. And they'll, ra like I heard somebody online, they just rationalize it to say, well, you know, I gained 80%, so I'm really playing with the house's money. Um, not really, you know, and as that, as that stock continues to fall, <laughs> not only are you wiping out your gains, but you're not giving yourself a sustainable system to be able to make predictable long-term wealth. Whether you are optimistic about the industry as a whole or not, all you have to do is look at like the dot-com stocks and see how all those 
had negative earnings and very few if any actually came out the other side of of the bear market intact and and not losing massive scales of wealth for investors and right now we're still talking about the end of a bull not the end i mean we're still deeply inside this bull market <laughs> right <laughs> I hesitate right to say obviously the end so it's it, it's going to be very interesting obviously you have a lot of volatility in some of the higher flyers it's like how do you even expect to make great profits when you it's it's gambling i mean there's no other way to really put it right and i i think it really comes down to that whole the mantra of investing which i absolutely hate which is you know you've been you've been told over and over again when you're growing up that high risk equals high reward and i i couldn't disagree more i mean high risk if you have high downside risk and high drawdowns means you need super 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 high reward because it's an exponential function and how you recover those losses so really at the end of the day the math is not working with you even if you are making some sweet returns on some high flyers and then twofold how do you not want to have a strategy so that might be working for you right now and you might be onto something but how do you how do you not want to have a strategy long term as you as you move forward especially as someone like myself i'm i mean i'm finishing my engineering degree here and i i got locked down full time employment and I, i'm i'm pursuing my passion you know i i love i love to do engineering and i love to make money in financial markets i like to do them both at the same time right so someone like me who doesn't have a lot of time to actively watch companies how can i pick amazing companies with with metrics that we can talk about in a little bit and and you know we can go through my strategy of how i discover these companies and and they've worked out insanely well and that that strategy will, will push me deep into whatever time frame and time horizon that i i can look for i mean hopping on and trend following and going for price momentum how is that a sound strategy and how is that going to continue to work for you in the future? Yeah, let's dig into that. So talk about some of the stuff that you look for when you're trying to value a business. For sure. So right away, um, there, it, it, we live in a, a world where free screens is, is an amazing thing for, for someone, for anyone to really, you know, narrow down a select group of businesses into what I call your investing universe. So if you only feel comfortable investing in companies that are over a billion in market cap or under a billion in market cap, if that's what you want to do, then you now have what you have is your investing universe and investable companies that you can start to now research even further. So when I once we've you know kind of collected a group of maybe 20 to 30 companies that I'm looking at that I'd like to add a position in, well, first thing I'm going to look at is revenue. I mean, earnings can be very easily manipulated, and earnings doesn't always tell the best picture. You can look at a price to earnings and completely misuse it as a um, decision to buy a company. If earnings are way up or the price is way down, you can you can get really misled, and 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 you look at consumer cyclical stocks, and you should actually buy them when they have a high PE. And that's when the market doesn't like them because their earnings are down and they're cyclical. So I look at revenues 
And I want to see that that is growing consistently. That is the starting level of all cash flow coming into the business, right? So if, if the top line revenue is at risk and declining, how is that a, how one, are you getting at a good enough discount that you think that the market will realize that there's actually a pretty good yield on this if we buy it at this price point, but you can, you can kind of avoid all of that and pick companies that are growing that top line consistently. So we want to at least have 5% growth in the top line. And, and the top line is that revenue piece for at least over the last five years. Then, I mean, I personally love dividends. I think, I think an investment should have income. Dividends are the, the greatest thing in the stock market. And if you can really pick a company with a decent yield, but not only a de- decent yield, but decent dividend growth. I mean, um, Andrew, you had sent out a little uh, email the other day about how the growth of your dividend will actually, over a long enough period of time, completely outperform the high yield, lower growing dividend. Oh, yeah. Um, so I did. I uh, to talk about that math. Yeah, it was like um, I took two. It was just a hypothetical. Take one with a 5% dividend yield growing at 5% a year. Versus like a one percent yield growing at twenty five percent a year, so after like ten years, you have about the same amount. But then after twenty years, the difference was I think a double. After thirty years, it was like a quadruple. After forty years, you're talking about like the difference between a couple million. What was it like forty million versus like three hundred thousand or something like that? So basically, right. the idea it's was insane. Yeah, it, it's. It was like an equal, I might not have those numbers exactly right right now. I think it was 1.25 yield percentage. But it was like, okay, if, if you had either four times the yield or four times the growth, which one would outperform? And over the long enough time period, four times of the dividend growth was the one that just vastly outperformed. Right. And then, and then further, the next thing I'm going to look at, especially if it's a you know, dividend play, is what's the payout ratio? That's the that's the uh, the hidden gem of, of dividend investing. Is what's the payout ratio? Is it too high or is it too low? There's a there's a happy medium, and I I like around forty percent typically. Rule of thumb. That's something that I really like, and it's the reason that I don't buy telecom or large utilities. You know, Enbridge is a company that is facing a massive drop in their in their share price it's a uh, oil company here in canada they supply a lot of natural gas and they have always paid a healthy five percent dividend dividend aristocrat growing one of those too big to fail type companies and they're sitting with super high payout ratios and they had a bad quarter and boom their payout ratio is sitting at 125 percent today so they're gonna have to start burning cash this quarter and that's something that you really don't want to have to see. So a lot of telecom companies, they have very, they're very leveraged and have high payout ratios. So I consider them very fragile. And that's definitely not something I want to see. Yeah, I completely agree. It sounds very similar to the type of ratios I'm looking at too. Do you look and at then, the balance sheet at all? When I'm looking at the balance sheet, I'm mostly concerned with debt. And you know their book value in, in in total. I mean, so you can look at a screening device of what's the total debt to equity. You definitely want that to be lower. 
hopefully less than two, hopefully ideally less than one. But I mean, depending on the type of company or if you're looking at a financial company, I mean, obviously they're going to be a bit more levered. But how is that actually changing? So just like I said, with the revenue growing at the top year over year, how is how is their debt load changing? And if it is changing, are they also, if it's increasing, is their equity and their book value also growing too to keep it conservative? I mean, a company can't really go bankrupt if it has more equity than debt immediately in the short term. Um, maybe over the long term, yes, but if, if something happens, that company with lots of debt to equity that, Andrew, you've really harped on this this metric for so long, is that company was as interest rates rise and you know we're going to see that over the next little while is that company super fragile and are they super sensitive to changing interest rates or anything going on in their business let's be honest here your sex life is important it helps us feel more confident and boosts our happiness but sometimes we struggle to perform our life gets in the way this is where hymns can help with their convenient and discreet online platform, you can get help for your erectile dysfunction from the comfort and privacy of your own home. No more waiting rooms, no more awkward conversations, just a simple, direct path to treatment that works around your life, not interrupts it. Invest in your health today. Hims is changing men's health care by providing access to affordable sexual health treatments from the comfort of your couch. Hims provides access to doctor-trusted ED treatment options such as chewable hard mints, brand-name treatments like Viagra, or generic alternatives for up to 95% cheaper. The process is simple and 100% online. No uncomfortable doctor visits. Answer a series of questions on their site, and a medical provider will determine the right treatment option. If prescribed, your medication ships to you free. No insurance is needed. If ED is getting you down, it's time you join the hundreds of thousands of trusted HIMS subscribers and get treated. Start your free online visit today at HIMS.com slash investing. That's H-I-M-S dot com slash investing for your personalized ED treatment options. HIMS.com slash investing. Hard mints are chewable compounded products which are not approved by or verified for safety and effectiveness by the FDA. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. Budgeting was always a challenge for me. I struggled to find the best way to keep track of all of my money. Not to mention all the time tracking down receipts, cataloging expenses, and trying to figure out what went wrong with my air quote system until Monarch Money. Monarch Money allowed me to easily see what is going on with my finances, helping me get a better handle on my spending, budgets, and more. It's my go-to app every day, more so than my bank, because I can quickly see where I am with my budgets and spending, allowing me to invest more and spend time on the things that I want to do. It's my GPS for money. Monarch is a top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com beginners. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch has built-in features to collaborate with your partner, family, or financial advisor. Invite them to your account at no extra cost, and they'll get their own login info and a joint view of all of your finances. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. 
In fact, Monarch Money is one of the first to bring you direct Apple Card, Apple Cash, and savings syncing with the latest iOS 17.4 update. Now you can sync your wallet directly for seamless budgeting. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash beginners for your extended 30-day free trial. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Hey you, what's the best way to get started in the market? Download Andrew's free ebook at stockmarketpdf.com. You won't regret it. Yeah, I love, I love that idea. I discussed that a couple of days ago as well. I mean, when you have debt and interest rates go up, you're talking about less liquidity, less earnings power, all that, all those sorts of things. So, um, you know, you mentioned a lot of different aspects of the Canadian market. I personally have never bought any Canadian stocks. So I'm curious, and I'm sure our audience is as well. Are you seeing like, different characteristics when you break down the numbers um ver, you know for a canadian stock versus uh a u.s stock do you see maybe more deal more deals in one country versus another or are you even just focused solely on companies uh what is it the tsx or the, the canadian yeah the index? tsx okay that's right so we, you know, there's the S&P 500, and we have what's called the TSX 60, so similar type concept, market cap um, type of um, methodology. And yes, I would say there is a lot more deals in the TSX than than in the U.S. equity market currently. I believe, what's the Shiller PE of the S&P these days? It's 32. It's definitely over 30. Um, and you're looking at something around 16 for Canadian companies. So... It's it's incredibly less less valued, and I would say that after all this run that that you know the U.S. market has had, the Canadian market is still very fairly valued, right in the right in the middle of the spectrum. I'd say in terms of what's undervalued and and highly valued in financial markets, and really what that is is that we haven't had the run in terms of the massive returns that a lot of people have seen and. Um, on investable index or investable exchanges in, in the states. Um, so what that really brings is a lot of opportunity for someone like me who can continue to buy incredible businesses at fair valuations. And um, I mean, it, it's great. The financial companies in Canada, like the banks, are licenses to print money. Our banking system works slightly different and is dominated by what we call the big five. So it's five Canadian banks. Royal Bank, CIBC, Toronto Dominion, Scotia Bank, and Bank of Montreal, and those five um, 
they dominate for sure. They're really the the big five, and they're protected in a way. So they to to put to give you this, they have been growing their revenues at insane amounts, growing their dividend at you know they're all dividend aristocrats, and their payout ratio on four percent yields is anywhere between thirty five and forty percent. So that's really good to see that they are still able to grow so much with that retained earnings. You know, over sixty percent of their earnings is going to be able to be retained, and they're still able to grow that dividend and pay a four plus, maybe five percent yield all the time. So, I mean, yes, I'd say the the Canadian market is significantly less overvalued than than the U.S. one. And I mean, I don't mean to say this from like a I'm not trying to make like an economic opinion, but I'll just say that. In general, if a market's overvalued more so than another, that tends to reflect what the investor sentiment is. So, some a market like the U.S., the market's very high, sentiment's very high. Somewhere like Canada might be a little bit less optimistic. But what's great about when you actually dig into the numbers, right? We talked about a lot of like <clears throat> surface ratios, but when you really start to get kind of intimate with a company and really start to learn like the ins and outs of it. Uh, some investors do this more than others. I, I tend to kind of t- like to take a big picture approach, but you can definitely start to dive in the annual reports and look at things like, you know, there, there will be plenty of businesses and there are, and this is true for any country where the revenues that, a, that the business makes might be primarily based in another country. So if, for example, if you were an investor who was maybe more optimistic on what's going on in the economy in the States versus what's going on in Canada, you can most certainly buy shares in a Canadian company that primarily does business in the States. And so in a way, prosperity in the United States would lift that particular stock up. And so those kind of determinations are something that once you really start to dig into financials and, and really understand, try to get a big understanding of what the numbers are telling you. Uh, those are some of the, the ways you can kind of find sort of hidden extra deals that might not pop up on the surface. Absolutely. There's, there's some fantastic companies here that a large portion of their sales would be in the States. One off the top of my head is called Alimentation Couchtard. Uh, if I just completely butchered this, the pronunciation of that to my French Canadians, I'm sorry. But it they own all of the Circle K um, convenience stores that you see all over the states, and they they were they were marketed here as Max M A C S, and they've recently consolidated them all to Circle K. I guess they've found some operational efficiency of just moving them all to that. So that's a company that started here, listed on the TSX, moved to the States, grew at a much faster rate, and saw an extreme amount of growth there, and it became the lion's share of their of their top and bottom lines over the years now. And they are super reasonably valued and you know a fantastic company. So I, th- I think that's a prime example right off the top of my head of what you're talking about and an opportunity right there. Yeah. And these are things that you can read in the financials. It's not something that's, you don't have to be an insider who works at this particular company. You can just pull open an annual report and usually they have, I don't know how it works with the Canadian ones, but here in the United States, we 
break it down. There's consolidated financial statements, and then they'll break down revenues, and they'll usually have different segments. So some companies will segment it off into which country they're doing business in. Some of them will have business units where, like, if you're looking at a company like Disney, they have media, entertainment, um, you know, TV networking the, the, and the parks. The parks. Yeah, yeah, right, they'll break exactly. it down. Yeah. So that's something you can do with any stock. And if anything, it, sh- it can give you more confidence in an environment of uncertainty where a market might be undervalued compared to maybe the rest of the world. Right. Yeah. I think it happens all the time. And maybe the. Like when you think about you know companies with extreme competitive moats and and where they maybe sit and 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 you look at the U.S. index and I think a lot of the companies that have extreme competitive moats let's take Amazon for an example that you know what's the PE today three hundred and sixty or you ever know it might be four hundred by the end of the conversation and you know of course they're an incredible business and they're going to continue to grow at, at an incredible rate. Um, and I think if they were, you know, a Canadian company, I don't think they would, you know, have that, that they would still have that extreme competitive edge and for sure they'd be listed on, on the NASDAQ by now, you know, it's kind of like, you know, company gets big enough in in Canada, then they, they'll list on us exchanges as well in us currency, but the same, it's not, it's like, I don't know if the, uh, the American pride of it's an american company I, i'm not sure i'm not really sure but there's definitely a distinction between you know the general valuation if you were to take on average on on the, the differences between the the countries there's no question yeah let's bring an economist in here i mean without putting the target mm-hmm. on my back you know there are there is a lot of flush liquidity flowing into these markets and so whether you want to blame the fed or some other party there's definitely something going on we're not going to try to speculate on that. Bottom line is you can find a lot of great deals today. Would you say, like, are you also buying uh, U.S. stocks? Or are you like 100% Canadian right now? Currently, I'm 100% Canadian because, I mean, we're at, we're at a point right now where I guess four years ago, and don't quote me on it, could be could be this thing where it seems like it was yesterday, but it was actually 10 years ago, but... The U.S. dollar and the, the Canadian dollar were were on par for quite a while there, for well over a year, and you know here we are in Canada. We've always our dollar has always been well, slightly lower than than the USD, and then boom! I'm not sure exactly what happened. I was I was a young chap, but uh, it was we've basically been sitting at 75 cents on the dollar for basically since, and we're seeing a massive growth in our, our macro economy so maybe that, that'll change but right off the top i'm i'm losing you know something that i can control what's something that i can control as an investor well i can control what kind of companies i choose to pick if i choose to not pick a company that everyone is telling me that is have a, has amazing growth prospects this and that and this and that the best thing about investing is I get to decide that. I get to decide if I want to move my capital into that. Here in this case, I'm going to lose an instantly 25% right off the top. 
and is something that I am not able to control. And, and I'm not an economist. It's macro factors that I can't explain, not even most economists can explain, right? So that's something that's out of my control and out of my circle of competence. So I'm not going to put up 25% right off the top for something that I can't control. And frankly, I don't understand. Well, I mean, just go back in time and tell a young chap to buy U.S. stocks because our crypto exactly. is higher than yours. Yeah, exactly. That's the crystal ball. I should have had it the whole time. Well, you, I do have one, but I'm saving it. So. You're saving Okay. <laughs> we'll let you do that for now. So let's talk about your performance. How have you done so far in your investing career? What were some of, like, maybe, maybe give us, like, maybe the best investing decision you made and one of the worst yeah sure um okay so <laughs> stubborn maybe i don't know but the my worst investing mistake is a co- position that i'm currently dumping more and more money into and i don't think it's a mistake at all it's air canada which is an airline stock which has been perennial dogs i mean you know the, it's the old classic warren buffett don't touch airline stocks with a 10-foot pole and now you see berkshire hathaway's portfolio has every airline you can think of yeah. and it's really what's happened is is that's true is historically historically unprofitable businesses with the unions and so subject to oil prices their fuel and you know, um, high a lot of labor with the unions and high labor costs. And what's kind of gone away is the smoke has cleared and we have extremely, extremely profitable businesses all of a sudden. So I have a position with Air Canada. I lost on it so far. And I think it's going to grow at an insane amount. So I'm, I'm dumping more in there. I mean, Peter Lynch said it sometimes took two years for a value pick to come out. This Airline is trading at a PE of 3.4 today and is only valued at $6 billion in market cap. Anyone who's a Canadian knows that Air Canada is the most dominant airline and is now flying more. It's one of the leaders in the world for where it's flying in terms of um, total airports and, and this and that. And it's definitely, you know, kind of the... Air, the um, I would say it has the most competitive edge. You know, it's, the smoke has cleared, and now it's, there's only two airlines, WestJet and Air Canada. And, I mean, WestJet's also a phenomenal buy, but I don't think it's trading at uh, an, uh, such an attractive valuation as Air Canada. Um, my and you're best still getting – sorry, you're still getting growth as far as revenue standpoint? Oh, with oh my Air God. Canada? You wouldn't believe – you wouldn't believe. I wish I pulled up their uh, their income statement right now. It, the ticker is AC. Um you wouldn't believe how much they're growing, and so that that comes back to that comes back to you know why throw yourself in investing in an investing bucket when you have oh I'm a value guy or oh I'm a growth guy. You have an extremely high growing company with an extremely attractive valuation trading at a price to sales, which is my favorite valuation quick valuation metric by far of 0.4. So all they have to do is reduce costs like they have been over the last five years. They hadn't turned a profit up until 2014. This was a, you know, this where the airlines were not very profitable because of all the factors that I had just discussed. Now you're seeing extreme earnings and, and, you know, consistency in their earnings. 
And that's really, you know, opportunities come up like that and you just got to act. Um, another one me, I can sorry, think. I have to, I have to. Yeah, yeah. For it. That's, it's yep. just in my nature. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, like what you said is so key even now. Like this idea that you have to either be all in on value or all in on growth is completely wrong. And I, I'm like still shocked to this day with these years and years of, of great bull markets we've of great bull market we've had. I'm still finding great deals. I got one today for the e leather and it Pete price to sales one of my favorite ratios as well. Under one. We're talking about price to books reasonable, price to earnings is reasonable. And growth of it was like in the range of like thirty to forty percent for both earnings and book value if you took it over a 10-year time period. And so I'm talking about 30 to 40% per year. So even if, you know, you could look at the stock price and see it hasn't grown that much in this time and it's it's a smaller stock, it's like just under 2 billion, so it kind of breaks one of my rules, quote unquote, as far as how small I want to go. But I mean, it's it's like it's, makes my mouth salivate just thinking about all these different deals I'm still able to find. And it's just one of those things that you can do if you are aware that, that there are these deals out there. And like you said, I mean, price to earnings of three, that's, that's unheard of. And if, if I were to look at the stock that's dominant in their industry, it's crazy. Yeah. If I were to look at a stock and see a P of three, I would assume that the company is crumbling and not to actually have revenue growth. So that, that shocks me. And it's just a testament to this idea that if I'm having no problem finding companies with great long-term growth, whether it's long-term growth, you know, excellent short-term growth with decent long-term growth, whatever the combination may be, I'm finding them all the time and still finding them at value prices at valuations. And these value metrics we always talk about that are very good. I, it, makes me optimistic even if I'm not invested in a FANG stock or even if my returns aren't tripling like a cryptocurrency might. I still right. feel very good about where my future returns are going to be because A, I know about the history and B, I can see these stocks in front of me with these great deals that I'm picking up and now C, step C, is just waiting it out and it's only a matter of time until the rest of these things shake out. So... Talk about now after I've cut you off and uh, yeah. steer the conversation well, away. Just, Talk just, about what you just were really, say. just really quickly. I'm gonna I'm gonna just give you some quick uh, spark notes on their income statement. So it's a four year in- income statement, 2013 to 2016. So they haven't released uh, full year 2017. I think it's next week their earnings. And so tw- up until 2012, they were unprofitable. And in 2013, you know, they had the odd quarter of profitability, but, you know, very inconsistent patterns. Um, and in 2013, they had a top line revenue of $12.3 billion, okay, with a net income of only $6 million. So they had basically just come out the other side onto the green. The next quarter, they made a – in the next year, sorry, they made $100 million in profit and bring this now to 2016 and, and the – the recent quarters in 2017 are, are fabulous too, so they're gonna they're gonna be over, even no, even over this. But so they've grown that top line to from 12.3 billion to 14.6 billion, and the net income this is 
four years from six million to eight hundred and seventy six million in four years. That is the most insane growth you can find anywhere, and you saw those valuation ratios. So again, th- these are things that don't come up that often. Six billion market cap. It, you just you, it, you scratch your head and you wonder how is this a thing, and then you just go for it. And you don't listen to you know you just you trust your gut and you you've done your research. You you have a story, and it's gonna it's gonna work out very well. Yeah, I mean. Over so, 10% revenue well, growth isn't anything to sneeze at. Yeah. yeah. So the revenue growth is you know, nothing to write home about. It's definitely growth that you want to see. It's consistent. But you look at the, the things that I was just talking about in their profitability. And you know, you go to the airport now and you don't really go talk to anyone. You go check in. There's all these, you know, it's like you go to McDonald's now and you don't talk to someone. You just punch in the, on the screen. It's the same concept, right? So they're... They're using technology and their, and their advantage, and and they're you know becoming an extremely profitable business. Yeah, that's really cool. Hmm. Uh, as for some successes in the market, I mean, I I uh, have done over seven seventeen point five percent in my three years of investing, and three full full years of investing. I had about a couple months before. Um, a full year, and I, I don't know what, how that would work into it. It was probably my best time ever. But what we're looking at is over 17%, and the benchmark of the of the TSX 60 here in Canada has been significantly underperforming the S and P. So when I look at my benchmark, I mean, I'm I'm doing fantastic. And these are things you know I've taken from just trying to get my feet wet, as we had talked about in, in the beginning of the episode, to now. You know, having the confidence, having the temperament, which I can't ex- stress more than more than enough. You know, that's that's really the key here. You got to understand what you know. You got to have a good story, and you got to have attractive valuations and and growth at the same time. Like, why would you why would you not go for both? You know, you can you can kind of hit a home run if you if you have somewhere in the middle of growth value and sometimes you know all cylinders firing, like the example we just talked about. Yeah, I hundred percent agree. I mean, literally couldn't agree more. So, what 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 you got going on for what's Braden going on for the future? Well, Braden is about to graduate his last semester of engineering, and um, I'm an environmental engineering student. I've worked in the power and power generation and manufacturing sectors throughout my university career, jumping in and out of of jobs for my co-ops and getting my degree. So it's all good. And then I'm about to travel the world basically for four months, just going to backpack it, me and my buddy. And I'm going to continue to, to podcast and try to, you know, teach, teach the world of stocks and, and, and really lay it out in layman's terms and really, you know, create, hopefully remove the disillusion that people have been given and, and, and hopefully people make the right decisions. And I'm, I'm hoping I can help them that with do that on stratosphereinvesting.com. Yeah, so give us your elevator pitch for your podcast. I was a guest on that. Oh, the elevator was, pitch. <laughs> I had a fantastic time talking numbers with you on the podcast. Definitely if you're yeah. Canadian, that it's going to be a fantastic resource. Fantastic resource if even if you're not. So ready, go. Yeah, so here at Stratosphere Investing, we're really you know laying out the, the foundations for people and, and, and on the podcast you've had lots of guests here including Andrew like you had just said and 
it, it's been it's been amazing. It's been fun to talk to people, and uh, really, it's it's great. You know, when Andrew came on the show, we we talked numbers. We both you know have that engineering background and that mathematics background. So I'm just trying to you know teach teach people that you don't need to have a background in finance. You don't even have to be good at math in this day and age with everything calculated for you. Um, it's not like the old uh, pen and paper in the office, like Warren Buffett reading annual reports all day. You're able to consume an insane amount of information at a very quick, a very short period of time now with all the tools that are available all for free. And really, I'm, uh, there's a blog and podcast and on the blog, I'm you know providing links to different tools I'm using every day to find opportunities, and uh, everything's for free. It's a lot of fun, and I hope uh, everyone enjoys it. And uh, URL one more time. URL is www.stratosphereinvesting. So stratosphere, like the second layer of the atmosphere, because that's where we're gonna bring your returns to. <laughs> and uh, investing.com. That's it. It's great stuff. All right, folks. You heard it here first, stratosphereinvesting.com. Brayden, thanks for coming on. It was a great discussion. It's great to get insights on the differences between Canada and America. And obviously, always great to see somebody who likes to approach markets, looking for value, looking for growth, looking for dividends, and looking for all three at the same time. So we can shoot for the moon and maybe hit a star. That's right. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right, folks. Well, that's going to wrap it up for our show tonight. I hope you enjoyed Andrew and Braden's conversation. It was a lot of fun for me. I enjoyed listening to him. And I have to give kudos to Braden. He has come a long, long way since we first talked to him. And I was really impressed with the depth and quality of his thoughts and insights. It was uh, really quite impressive. It was, it was kind of cool. So without any further ado, we're going to go ahead and sign off. You guys go out and find some great intrinsic value. Invest with a margin of safety. Emphasis on the safety. And you have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week. We hope you enjoyed this content. Seven Steps to Understanding the Stock Market shows you precisely how to break down the numbers in an engaging and readable way with real-life examples. Get access today at stockmarketpdf.com. Until next time. Have a prosperous day. The information contained is for general information and educational purposes only. It is not intended for a substitute for legal, commercial, and or financial advice from a licensed professional. Review our full disclaimer at einvestingforbeginners.com.